Welcome back to another episode of Sports Medicine on Tap. My name is Brandon Elia. I'm sitting here at Neck of the Woods Brewing Company in Pittman, New Jersey with Dr. Frey. Dr. Frey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Sucking down my beer, having a good time. Things are good. Absolutely. I realized after last week I didn't preface my preview to this week that Tonight might have not happened. My wife is nine, nine months pregnant, and we're expecting our first son any day now. So luckily, she hasn't gone into labor yet, and we're yeah. here tonight. So if she disappeared mid-show, we understand yeah. why. Yeah, exactly. So if I just kind of, you know, disappear, you don't hear me anymore, you know why. I have my phone upright, and it's on silent just in case any flashes go off or anything like that. But um, You know this, but don't ask either of us for help. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing wrong, That's wrong, right. doctors, wrong doctors. So tonight we're going to cover a wide variety of a couple different things. So yeah. we're going to start kind of focusing on the spine in the neck. So, Dr. Frey, who do we have on tonight? We brought back one of our favorites, Dr. Rob Greenleaf, spine surgeon, and I don't know who we've had on more, you or Fernando Tatis, who's also going to show up later in the mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he and I are our interchange. Yeah. Popular right. guest. Dr. Frey, you and I have kind of had this discussion off off record, and uh, we've kind of been talking about different things that have come up in the NFL. We mentioned last year, last week, preseason is underway. Um, we had some some bigger names and just some other names in the NFL that are kind of, unfortunately, career-ending things going on with the neck and the, and the spine. Big time. Uh, big time, and you know, it's that time of year, and you, you, you get the big name, so we're going to kind of go off two names right now in the NFL. We have Chris Carson. Uh, running back for the Seattle Seahawks, and then also uh, offensive lineman Matt Gono from the New York Giants. Both reported out, you know, about a couple weeks ago that they're going to kind of have to hang up the cleats because they're having some issues with their neck and some surgical issues and things like that. Right. Yeah, disappointing. I don't know too much about Gono, to be honest with you. You know, I follow football, but I guess I don't follow it quite on that level. But Chris Carson's a guy who I know was drafted a little bit later. Expectations weren't high. Guy seemed to always outperform expectations. Play real well, but here we are now. His uh, career is being cut short. Yeah, and you know it's an, a bit unfortunate because you know he's been in the league for about five seasons now, and three of those he's ended the season on the injury injury reserve. So right, he's kind of hit got hit with the injury bug throughout his career. It's so, been a couple ankles and a couple different things, but the big one, you know, that's limiting him out completely is going to be his neck. What exactly <clears throat> is the issue here, and what was the surgery he had that that appears to be ending his career? Yeah, well, well, thanks for that introduction. It, and and I, I think even before that, I feel like I'm kind of screwing you guys because I didn't say I was going <laughs> to talk about this. But and you, you talk about, you know, them ending their careers and like, you know, pulling the ripcord cord early. Right. Doesn't that seem like a new trend because of the head issues and the traumatic brain injuries for and everything sure. else? I mean, we see so many guys that are early in their careers and they're at the top of they're at their peak. Playing right? well, right, yeah. And they're like, okay, I'm done. I'm retiring. Well, who's millions, the Vikings running back? Robert Smith, I think, who was a sprinter. Yeah in college and actually pretty good running back and you see 10 years ago and i think he's one of the first guys I, uh, that i saw do this it was like hey man i've been paid i'm doing well in life i can still walk i'm done and, right. and out of but it. it seems like it's more and more like there was a niners like yeah, linebacker or something yeah. right just, yeah. recently just a couple years into the season into his career not, like not an injury guy either just i'm gonna be precautious here and i'm gonna take my brain over the, the paychecks and just Walk right. away while I still right. can. Right, right. They, they have a brain still. They can use it and they say, look, I, I made a few bucks. I'm going to invest it the right way and I'm going to get out and yeah. preserve things. And I, I think to that point, these guys hang up with the with the cervical spine injuries. Right. They're also saying, look, my neck's banged up. I don't want to be in pain management and worrying about my neck and my back for the rest of my life. If I stop now, maybe I can you know, preserve some quality of life. So that's just the first thing we mentioned that, that, that came to mind for me as well. Although I don't think that's entirely their reasons for not 
Right. Not playing anymore. When Carson right. specifically, he had a fusion. Yeah. Uh, he had what's called an ACDF, an anterior cervical discectomy infusion. I always tell patients now that he's getting a little older now, though he's still kind of relevant on TV, but the Peyton Manning surgery. So anytime right. we have somebody that needs a surgery in the front of the neck, I say, you know, the Peyton Manning surgery. And they say who? Isn't that unbelievable? Exactly. Well, some <laughs> people do. Like old guys like us watching. Right. I hesitate now. You get like a hopefully too many to me people in their 30s and 40s don't need it but you get like a female mid 30s right and i and i'll start by saying do you, do you follow football <laughs> much at all no no i don't okay. all right, all right, all right well there was this guy that had that. okay so so it's kind of the peyton manning surgery so you know and, and remember his story the whole manning's had bad necks right, right? remember cooper and right his, yeah and his um, career earlier with the spinal stenosis I exactly sure. remember he, in college right yeah he, he had he was paralyzed for a while and had big surgery infection so so they have bad necks and he had these little surgeries to decompress things and then had a fusion. Peyton was one of the success stories because right. he came back and that's when he went from the Colts to the Patri uh, Colts to the uh, Broncos and won a Super Bowl. You know, and I would say, you know, moderately successful when he first like, he won the Super Bowl. Right. So that's a su success story. But like when he first came back, like, he could barely throw it like 20 yards. Like you oh, could yeah. see like, oh, man, this guy can't throw the ball right sure. now. Now it improves over the course of the season and and. It, does. it never got great. It. Never, never got, got great. great. There were some background yeah. stories. I remember him underground trying to throw a football and couldn't throw it more than there's some baseball player for the Rockies. Uh, right. Weller or Walker, somebody. I remember seeing some story. Uh -huh. They would work out together in like a little gym. He couldn't throw the ball 15 yards. Crazy. You know, that was like some speculation of him wearing gloves later on in his career. Like, oh, he needs a glove to grip the ball better. And, right. You know, his grip was so weak. Yeah. Right. Remember he had that one receiver that joined him that was just a sprinter and he couldn't. DeMarcus. Uh, not Demarius Thomas. Thomas. Demarius Thomas. Is that who you're talking no, about? No, no, the thinner guy. Um, uh, he was number ten. I just remember. And he was later in his career, but all he could do still was like run a fly. Right. And he would snap the ball and just turn around and throw so as, as hard far as he, as he could. <laughs> still couldn't get it deep enough. He was still getting right. picked off. So. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, you know, back back to Carson. Yeah. And you think about what Peyton and Carson did. So, and we talk about this a lot. Sports is, is there contact sports, collision sports, wrestling versus soccer versus basketball, things like that. Right. So there are contact sports where you're, you're, you're banging in each other, you're bumping in, that's more of a basketball, soccer type, even right. wrestling. But yeah. then, then there's collision sports right. where it's, you're like battering rams and there's a lot more axial force coming in. And I know the, the pros are trying to do it. And that's interesting. We could talk about that another time too. That the, could be a whole The one. helmets things. Yeah, because we, we talked that, about that yeah. exactly. Like, we, we, yeah. Talavera did that. That was like five years ago. Oh, Guardian really? Guardian helmets, they kind of started around here. We knew one of these guys. We're digressing. But yeah. I, I can't believe they're still around because even then we had the high school players use it during the uh, all-star game right and they hated it they yeah. were ripping it off in the middle of the game and People throwing do. each other and stuff yeah. so and, and as we do i think that's going to be an entire topic so we'll, we'll get into that again mm -hmm. later concussions yeah. stuff. yeah so peyton manning how many collision head-to-heads head head does he have i mean he's old enough smart enough he knows not to get hit he's not going to run the Fewer. ball he's not going to go down right yeah. so he maybe he could get a knee to the head that's a risk he's going to take right. somebody like carson whose job is to get your head down and get an extra Plow half yard and everything else he, he's a different story now he had the fusion and axial loads on his neck which axial meaning kind of head to head like we we're yeah. talking about rather than twisting and turning the spine mm -hmm. right those can cause problems they can cause fractures he has a rigid spine where he had the fusion meaning that part is almost like a like a brittle stick i, I call it. it's like a stick in January versus August, where that bends sometimes, sometimes right. it does. So his doesn't, and he's going like to get it. problems. He's I like gonna, the analogy. Yeah, yeah, right. 
He's going to get problems during the in the fusion segments. He's going to get problems above and below the adjacent segment degeneration. Right. And that and that's where it really leads into that. And I think that's the part of the problem he had. He had a stiff neck. They would tell him they go. And, and the NFL has very specific protocols. They, right. They're like, you need to have 30 degrees of this motion, this motion, that motion, that motion. Right. Otherwise, you're unsafe to play. Right. You know? And he probably didn't have that. He had a banged up neck already. He was already fused at a few levels. And that's yeah. where, you know, as we've talked on podcasts before, that's where these arthroplasties, the disc replacement surgeries, yeah. you know, can be, at least in theory, and we're starting to learn more and more, can be Maybe a, a, better a very option. attractive option right. for... So I, I was going to ask, and I, uh, before we go down the road and before we make the connection to the, to the possible arthroplasty alternative, do you think, and it sound, it's, it's, you seem to allude to it, but do you think the reason he didn't pass the physical and thus is basically not able to continue to play for the Seahawks, and who knows if another team wants to take a chance on him, do you think the reason he didn't pass the physical was he wasn't able to meet the range of motion requirements, so it's a matter of not being able to move your head and neck enough so you're susceptible to you know a side hit that you don't see coming or something or other or do you think it's just pure risk of having multi-level fusion and like you're saying this long lever arm and this brittle stick that could create you know puts him at a higher risk for potentially a catastrophic injury or both <laughs> i was gonna say was there a question <laughs> so I- well, I, I, I think it's probably yes to all of the above. I, and it's like to use a Hamilton line, you know, they like to be in the room when it happens, right? To, to right. see actually what they put you through. Right. And, and just who knows? I mean, maybe they had other reasons for cutting the guides in business. But right. my, my feeling would be they take you through extremes of motion. They try to replicate what happens in a football game, right? Which it's impossible to replicate, right? But they take you through extremes of motion. They extend all the way back, flex all the way back, side to side, add pressure on top of your head, distract on your head. And they see if you have a pain-free range of motion. And right. if you can't do those things, if you start to extend and they're putting weight on your neck and head yeah. and giving stress yeah. and, and you're in pain, you're wincing and you can't do it, right. then that's a, you know, not only from a business investment, like putting millions of dollars into this guy that's going to mm-hmm. come out and have an injury and be done in one, two games like, like he what's happened to him. Right. It's just a moral and ethical and legal thing. True. You can't right, put somebody right. in there with, because you know, we know he's at risk for having injuries. Yeah. And, and kind of goes to like knowing the player too. He's known for a physical style of running. Right. He's, he's a bruiser. You yeah. know, that's why yeah. in the article that, you know, we, we kind of referred to when we were talking about this, he was drafted because of it, because he was a big guy, like running, blowing people up. And stuff. Right. And now, and, it, and of, as we know in the NFL, the running backs that are bruisers, they're a dime a dozen. Right. They're, they're all over the damn place. Yeah. I mean, you can't replace Peyton Manning. So right. Peyton Manning walks in the room. And his head's not falling off. You're gonna let him play. <laughs> you're give, give him a shot. Give him a shot. Yes. And the NFL is definitely protecting the quarterback way more than it's ever had historically. So, in mm-hmm. theory, he's a much safer spot to be as a quarterback versus you know Chris Carson, the running back. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine this this weight into it, but he has a history of injuries, and you know we've gone through a little bit of the debate, never formally, but a little bit of the debate. Are some people just more prone to injury? Right? And so, if he's one of these guys who, in my opinion, I think some people are, and I know that's the minority, but I do. I think some people are just like more Saquon. Prone to injury. Is yeah, Saquon going to exactly. pan out? Right. And and so so that's the next thing. Like he has this big injury, and maybe like sadly, scary, scarily, the bigger injury is on the horizon. Like. Right, we're ticking time bomb. Walk yeah, away while you can still walk away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when you can replace them with some guy that's 
21 22 that has fresh legs and yeah. it's just as big and it's now just as fast and if the backup running back led the nfl in yards for the last five games for the last five games of the season last year you're a little more inclined to let it slide right? sure absolutely yeah that kind of goes with, you know, similar, like we're talking, the bruising nature of, like, especially with the, the, the guy from the Giants, offensive lineman. That's that's almost a guaranteed head contact, neck collision, like some kind yeah, of Yeah, you can't avoid it. You can't, it's, like, unavoidable, absolutely. Yeah, but, we talk about those guardian helmet things. I mean, it's just who the all linemen and tight ends and, and linebackers. Wide receivers, linebackers. linebackers. Yep. Not wide receivers, just linebackers. No, just, yep, yep, yeah, just so the, the guys those are the, the, box, those are the guys that are banging Constantly. So now you you mentioned uh, Jack Eichel, who we had talked about previously, and you know when we had talked about him, there was a whole issue. He wanted to get a disc replacement, playing for the Buffalo Sabers, and his docs wanted him to have a fusion, and he was reluctant and resistant to go down that road, and reached a point where a boiling point where he demanded a trade. He absolutely refused, and eventually he actually won that battle. He was able to get his disc replacement. Would you mind rehashing for us what? Uh, the theoretical or potential advantages to go disc replacement over fusion. Sure. And, and I think for the reasons we just talked about, I mean, if you were listening to this and we kind of primed you up, you'd be like, no, duh. Right. Why, why, why would you want a fusion? Even sure. from the business perspective of the, you know, the general manager, manager in the hockey team, if you guy, if you want this guy to have a long career with minimal problems, you avoid the fusions because at least of the theoretical risks of adjacent segment problems, meaning yeah. If you fuse one level of a spine, that motion's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. And it, it, again, at least in theory, and we seem to be proving this with anecdotal evidence and years of radiographs and things like that. And over time, theoretically, you'd be able to prove it for, for real, but it takes yeah. time. Now, that's in a patient population like you and I that sit around and don't work very hard and play golf poorly and things like that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah to that's prove exactly it, what we do. To prove it in professional athletes is a whole different ball of wax. Right. right. So this is the type of thing that someday, like six years from now, some definitive study will come out in some sports medicine journal following seven athletes who had four different surgeries with yeah. three different implants and they'll it's come high out and level say, stuff right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> up, they'll be like, hey, we have you know, here's a prospective randomized. No, not at all. It's gonna be a best guess. Calling all the interns. Exactly. <laughs> so but but the arthroplasty I means the same reason why, you know, when we do these surgeries in, in quote unquote normal patients that are everyday workers, construction workers and want to get back to work and they're banging around there in their forties and fifties and they and they just want to be normal people right. as soon as they can. Right. When you do a fusion, there there's follow-up to that. There's watching the hardware and make sure it doesn't shift. There's watching the bone graft to make sure it's all fusing back there. No different than any other fracture. So if you break your wrist, you keep it x-rays and x-rays gotta heal. You can see the bone coming across. And only then after potentially several months down the road do you feel really comfortable with the bone fusion and they say, okay, now you can go back to normal activities. With the arthroplasty, now there is a period of at least a few weeks, maybe six weeks, where you want, and it's not an overly scientific term, but maybe the implant's kind of getting sticky and kind of growing into the bone. Right. But as soon as they're good and stable, I mean, you've got normal range of motion and you move your neck and go left, right, up and down. And that that, that thing isn't coming out. Right. I mean, in the first six weeks of just motion, some therapy, if you don't see any loosening or moving of those things, they're, they're stable. How about that, it? That's your new disc, yeah. yeah. And, and like in the work workers' compensation world, they love these because these patients, they can get back to full work, labor, lifting, bending, twisting, doing everything you want to do within six weeks or so. With fusions, we're like micromanaging the x-rays for fusion for two, three months. So so that, it seems like in a sports world, that, that that's ideal. That, this would be pure speculation, and, and I just want to be 
clear about that. So, you know, Jack Eichel wins his battle, uh, gets gets his disc replacement, right? And then, and, and actually, uh, there was another hockey player who got it like a week later or something or other. So, like, kind of opened up the, I don't want to say opened up the floodgates, but opened up the door for, for other people to go. And then Eichel did get back and, and play, I think, like six weeks later or fairly quickly. Of course, he had another injury, unfortunately. But he did get back and play uh, after his uh, November surgery. What would be your concerns? And, and you, 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 I think you hit the nail on the head. You touched on it where, like, hockey is a collision but more of a contact sport they're not you're you're colliding with other people but it's side to side bumping hitting and the hard hits mm-hmm. and i think in hockey you worry most about you know going head first into the, the boards, boards. Yeah. right yeah. but in football where you're running like every play head first into a that's uh, your intention play. is to yeah knock, yeah knock so the guy over. theoretically is there more of a risk to go down that road in football when when it is like i said head first into, you know, play after play into other players. I really don't. No, I mean, with the arthroplasty, you maintain motion. Again, that whole concept of when you do a fusion, there's no more motion there. And, and even if you hit an axial head on load, there's going to be some bending or movement. Right. If that can be absorbed over multiple segments of the spine That's versus better. less, it's, it's better. Right. And you're not going to jar those things loose. Yeah. It's kind of an, it's it's super interesting. On one end of the it spectrum, is. you can say, wow, these arthroplasties, they're doing well. Now, if you, if you do the surgery as well, and the implants are, you know, in good condition, is this going to open the door to, and here would be the total extreme, if you ever have like a pinched nerve or any type of wear and tear in your neck, are, are they going to start doing MRIs of every hockey player's neck in the beginning of the season? They say, oh, there's a little wear and tear there, do an arthroplasty. Change Ooh, it. Little, get, little, get it yeah, done exactly, quick. switch right. it out. <laughs> little bulging that's there, switch it out. And right. It's got to play longer. Probably not, obviously. The arthroplasties aren't cheap and there yeah. you know, complications. You know, we talk about like you can just put these in and out, but complications happen. They do. Neurovascular right. Why take that happen, risk? Infections right. happen if you don't need them. But maybe it will lower the threshold for, hey, if I get pinched nerve, and, and you've seen football players with pinched nerve with stingers, things like that. Right. I mean, if you can replace those and they don't cause long-term, because these things, they don't they don't fall apart in 20 years. They usually stay in good condition. I think that was the issue with Gano, right? Maybe I'm totally wrong about this. Was, was the Gano come from the... From the he came from the Falcons. From the Falcons. Falcons to yeah, the Giants, yeah. yep. No, I think maybe I have the wrong player. Oh, man, I hate to say it, But there was someone who came up with, with, with stingers, I think, and they hoped, they hoped he was past him, and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was Gano or not. But, I'm but, not sure. No, I just know that Gano, similarly he, ended he his had career. the surgery, he, everything looked well, and then his story was first full padded practice of training camp this year. He started to have reoccurrence of symptoms. So right. Then that's when I was like, all right, well, I think it's time. To- and that's that. Yeah, and that's it's. It would be so interesting, and we talk about these, these things. Oh, it came back and everything, but but there's so many different levels of the spine. Was right. it that level that was the problem again? Was it the one above or below? And right, that right. comes in the to how much operation do you do? If you have one level, one disc in your neck that looks horrible, obviously that needs a surgery. Something helped, helped, but the one above and the one below it look. Yeah, so so. <laughs> right. Do you let those go? And right. do, you, do you fix all three of them at once, right. which is a much bigger surgery, longer lever arm? Yeah. That's where certainly the arthroplasty would be a better idea because if you have, say, the middle one looks terrible, right. but you don't want to do three levels, that's too much surgery, just do the middle one. Yeah. And, and then you're not an, stressing you're the You're not putting the, as much stress on the ones above and below. Right. So right. maybe you get 10 years out of those arms. What I've been looking for the most to talk about is a total, a little bit of a change in topics here. And to me, like, a little bit of that surprising unclear entity i was a but um a local guy every time something happens to him we talk about him because you know he grew up played in south jersey yeah. but um 
Mike Trout, this whole thing. Can you give us yeah. the background here? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Mike Trout, you know, uh, from the Angels, um, went out of a game with reported as back spasms back in July. So it's over, well over a month now. But not the first time in his career that he's had right. these. I mean, and you know, how many times you see guys on the in the IL and the major leagues with back spasms? It's right. not something uncommon. Usually, just okay. Every, every day. Yeah, it's just chalked up, and you kind of yeah, go back on. Back spasm. Move on. Ten day IL, it comes back. No big deal. But you know, it's over a month now, and then recently it's reported as costovertebral dysfunction at the T5 level. And when we looked this up, it was a lot of a lot of times Mike Trout rare condition. Yeah, you know, could be lasting his whole career. It's, yeah. it's like this big thing. Uh, say what? Like, like what, what rare spinal condition? Rare spinal condition. Everyone's thinking, you're thinking eye lights up. Yeah, right. And then he's down playing. He goes, my phone's been blowing up. I think everyone's exaggerating a little bit. It's not that bad. I'll be back sooner than later. Yeah. Um, reported to potentially take some swings on the field uh, this past Saturday. So he's kind of getting back. They don't have a return date yet. So the costovertebral dysfunction in T5 is, is right. the big diagnosis that question. If yeah. What do you think? Dr. Frey, you're up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's kind of a, I don't want to say wild because it's not wild, but it's Black very box, interesting. It's a little different. Yeah. It's so different. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's probably the type of thing, like in medicine, we always use this phrase, it sees you more than you see it. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we yeah. see so many things that come through and we, I don't want to use the word, blow them off, but we, we can't really figure it out. We send, send it out yeah. and it ends up being something we couldn't really figure out. Right. Now, and, and we say back to your point about low back pain or back spasms being on the IL and everything. Of course, 99 out of 100 of us would think low back. Because oh, when right. you think of back pain, you think down around the belt line. Every Everybody time, that's what back. I think about, right? And that's, yeah. and that's the human spine. You know, every every time I've been here, it's been kind of an anatomy lesson on that's why the low back goes out. Because it's this flimsy little lumbar spine. There's too much stress on it. Right. That's why it wears out and you have trouble. We all, it's like the biggest cause of lost productivity in the world. Right. From the workforce. Who doesn't have back pain? Right. Exactly. And you lose. It's more than the common cold, back pain. Mm-hmm. Playing baseball is no different. It's you're in the workforce. You have to be able to perform to be able to work. Right. And as anybody that's ever had any significant low back pain knows, if you were told, hey, you have back spasms say, well, go out and, and hit and run in the field, you'd be like, I can't even walk. Right. So I'm not going to get out. So, so it's no different with baseball players. Now, his diagnosis, again, it, it, it is so interesting. I mean, going back to the, maybe just start with the anatomy. Even right. just that phrase costovertebral. Mm-hmm. I mean that that would if I wasn't something in spine, I'd say, What the heck is that? Like, yeah. what's a cost costo that looks like cost costco vertebral? Yeah. Which is great. So yeah, yeah. right. right. <laughs> so costo is kind of like our medical term for ribs. Yeah. So anything costco you hear usually uh, applies to the ribs. Like costochondritis is a condition. I was gonna bring about. it up, like, man. I'm sure you were right. Yeah. See, I'm stealing topics I know. from you left and right. You're gonna be silent here intercostal like inter- right. intercostal ligaments or nerves yeah like the word applies inter between the ribs like so the ligaments and things between the ribs so costo rib and vertebral most people know that's a vertebrae that's yeah. the spine so it's where the ribs interact and basically form a loose joint with the spine right now we take our ribs for granted you know we hear about people with rib fractures and things like that but they're they're such dynamic structures in our body i mean first of all they're important so what's inside our ribs? What are our ribs? Do? They protect our lungs and our heart and our big bus. All the vessels. important stuff. All the important stuff. The some of our brains, yeah. right? Some and that's the cranium, but it, import, it, it it takes care of all these important structures inside. Yeah. Now the annoying thing about one of those important structures inside our lungs, they need to move just yeah. like your heart constantly needs to beat and move. Right. Our lungs, if we sit here and we don't breathe, what do we do? We fall over. You don't last long. Exactly. <laughs> so right. so the lungs need to 
to breathe and move and expand in now, but they also need this rigid, they bony. They don't work without your ribs. Shield, right. They, they need that around them. So how do we have this structure that is allowed to move with the lungs? And that's why the ribs are so amazing. So, and I'm speaking a little out of turn because we, we think people always come to us and be like, oh, you're a bone doctor, right? right. You deal with ribs, right? We're like, no, nah, we don't sort really deal with ribs. Sort of. Really, I mean, yeah. I know what it's made out of and yeah. stuff, but I don't deal with it. <laughs> right. The biggest reason why, because any, anytime somebody, you know, uh, takes over a bone in the body, why do they take over that bone? Well, if something really bad happens to that bone and there's something, a complication, what happens? Well, in this, if it hurts the heart and the lungs, you don't want an orthopedic surgeon to deal with that. You do you not. Want, you want like a yeah. thoracic. Right. So yeah. the thoracic surgeons and doctors are the ones that are the biggest experts on the bone. I think where you're going, and I don't want to, I don't want to get off track too far, uh, but like flail chest, right? You break a bunch of ribs, you got a real problem. You, your sure. lungs don't have a cage or, or uh, any foundation to pull from, and then all right. of a sudden, instead of instead of filling up with air, they're just pulling in broken ribs and, and then you got a real problem. Or a punctured lung. Or right? a punctured right. lung, right, 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 right. right. And those are usually traumatic accidents. Yeah, yeah. all right. So Continuing we'll, on. what we're getting down to here is more like the low back pain type of thing where the ribs attach to the vertebrae, but they can't attach like in a fusion. There has to be some motion. So it has to form this sort so of joint. mobile joint, mm -hmm. right? And it actually forms it in two places next to it and it's complex anatomy and it's yeah. great where there's a picture involved. Mm -hmm. But it, it attaches to the, the body of the vertebrae, the yeah. bulky part, and the little wing called the, the transverse process. The hockey out. puck and the, the little tail. Exactly mm -hmm. right. Exactly. That's, that's your anatomy. That's where you learn it. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, and, and it makes sense, too. Again, it's an elegant structure because anything that's attached to one point is pretty weak, right? So right. if you put a shelf up and you put one screw in, how long is that shelf going to last? It's going to teeter and totter and fall apart. But if you put two in, then it's got two points of fixation. You don't know how well I put in screws. No, no. I, yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So if you have two points of fixation, that's going to be more rigid. So there's two spots here where the ribs articulate or join against the vertebrae. Yeah. So both of those, like the analogy you just made, they're, they're joints. They're no different than knee joints or hip joints. Now, they're different, but they still move. They can cause friction. They can be poorly aligned. And I think that's where we are. I mean, that, that's what his diagnosis is, is basically pain coming from the small little joints. And we're talking about four or five millimeters of contact right. with the vertebrae. Yeah. And what causes it? Is it just with exertion or swinging or, or jumping or deep breaths? Is he having this all the time? You know, those are all the unknowns. And yeah. how they diagnose this? I mean, that's the... That's, that's the one the, I really don't get. Yeah, yeah. Too, like, right? was this, you know... And, and yep. we, we talked about it a little bit before we got going. Did you just push on it and like it hurts right here? So yeah, that's what this is. Yeah. Or was there radiographic imaging and like right. you know like hey look this sucker's really swollen. There's some sure. like, I don't sure. know. Yeah, and that's where it comes. So it's like you said, radiographic. That would be CAT scans and MRI scans. And if you got an MRI and you get MRIs with contrast, which are good at, with gadolinium, which are good at showing inflammation and swelling. Right. If you got one of those and every other joint, you know, there's 60 multiple of them where the ribs, so ribs 12, two on each side, four times four, 48. So yeah. if all the other ones look good and one of them is inflamed and angry and swollen, then you say, aha, this Cold must break. be it. Yeah. There, there it is right there. I doubt if that happened. I mean, that's pretty darn unusual unless you got an infection there, unless something broke it or you had some acute traumatic injury. The other way diagnosis and, and, and diagnosis, maybe that's what they did was actually start putting injections. Injection, diagnostic yeah, injections. Diagnostic injections. Yeah, you put in numbing medicine, cortisone, 
well, lidocaine, cortisone, things to numb things up, and you put these in the joints and use x-ray or ultrasound to make sure you're in the exact right spot. You give it a couple minutes to numb it up and you hop off the table and say, holy cow, I feel great, I have zero pain. Right. Even if it comes back an hour later, you say, well, shoot, we numbed it up, that must be the, the pain generator. So that's our guy, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that's where I think it, it it's really a challenging one, one to figure out, especially because there's such a long list of differential diagnoses with this, which are much, some are very serious, much more right. common. You got to rule all that, that stuff out gotta first. Rule that right? stuff like the out. Big so, stuff. Yeah. So in my practice, in a, in a spine practice, we see a lot of patients with pain kind of between their shoulder blades, and that's where the T5 level is. Again, with the T's, T for thoracic or everywhere you have a rib. So the C's, the cervical, start at the top. There's seven of those, and then kind of the top of your shoulder blades is where the T starts, and then you just count down one, two, every every one basically an inch lower until you get to your lumbars at the bottom. Right. So T five, it's kind of between between upper shoulder blades back there, kind of the bra line, like fairly halfway down. Yeah, you don't you don't usually feel things there, but when you do feel things there, light as a spine surgeon, these light bulbs, and I'd say they're red light bulbs, go right. off and say, ooh. This could be something bad because right. when you get infections like abscesses or discitis, which are infections in the spine, yeah. that's where they often go. So thoracic spine, the yeah. spine. Tumors, if you have breast cancer undiagnosed, lung cancer, and they spread and they very often spread to the spine, yeah. that's the most common place well, they go. Why right do the they go the there? Why is that the common place? Yeah, well, yeah well, it, it's, it, we talk about the blood supplies and things like that. There's there's the Batson's plexus and these I'm drawing a picture with my fingers. <laughs> and tumors floating around. But they, they often go there. So, you know, if the patient comes in, so if Mike Trout's great-grandmother came in who is status post-mastectomies because of breast cancer and and suddenly had this thoracic back pain, I'd say, oh, man, we need an MRI and a CAT scan because you might have cancer that spread your spine. Right. If somebody comes in that's an IV drug abuser or a dialysis patient, I'd say, wow, you're at high risk for getting infections. Right. We need to get an MRI or CAT scan of your spine. Right. If Mike Trout walks in yeah. with that problem, I'm like, get out of here. I don't know why. First of all, <laughs> how'd you get here? Like who told right, you to right, come right. see me? I'm not surprised, but I'm like, you look, you don't have those risk, risk factors for cancers or infections. Right. Another, I would say probably the most common reason why I see thoracic pain would be somebody with a herniated disc or a disc problem in their lower cer uh, cervical spine. Right. Uh, the, the, the level specifically. Feeling C. kind of in that area. Yeah, right. like a couple inches above, yeah. but it's still, it, it's where your body refers pain to and it kind of doesn't make sense. So a herniation at the level C6-7, again, we're talking about levels C for cervical, the seven is kind of the bottom one before it becomes the thoracic where it yeah. meets your ribs. So if you have a herniated disc there, which can pinch a nerve and cause pain and numbness, that was actually the big pain Manning one we were talking about before. Right. He had no C7 anymore. That's why he had no tricep, couldn't throw. Right. He most likely had pain down between shoulder blades because right. that's where your disc refers pain to. Right. So I see patients very often who have been treated with their, their physical therapists, their chiropractors for what they thought were, and I mentioned this before, uh, the patient says, well, they thought it was like a rib problem or a dislocated rib. And right. I say, no, I don't think so. And we get an MRI and it's a herniated disc. But that's why they say that. And, and I think a lot of physical, with this whole story, a lot of physical therapists and chiropractors and osteopathic doctors are out there saying, you see, yeah, I told you. There so. is this something stuff here. Is, yeah, yeah, this stuff yeah. is more common than you think. And, yeah. and they're, again, they're probably right back to the, yeah. it's seen me more than I've seen it. It's so, funny that you say you see it often because the truth is I do too. And the reason I do is because that person called the office and said, hey, my shoulder's killing me, right? And yeah. then they got put on my schedule. And then I see them say, this is not your shoulder. 
you got to go see my body here. And, right. and, it's your spine. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You get an MRI and it shows a herniated disc. Yeah. So those do, they, they refer pain down between the shoulder blades. So again, if I saw Mike Trout, I'd say, do I think hey, you have cancer? No. Do I think you have an infection? No. Do I think you have a herniated disc, which typically would cause issues down the arms? He doesn't have any of those now. So I'd say, man, what the heck can this be? Yeah. Um, and that's where diagnoses like these come come into play. Right, right. Uh, and then the question is, what do you do for it? Right. right. Uh, so what do you do? For we'll see. We'll yeah. see. So uh, I think it's also like, it's interesting, you know, being, it's it's just a blanket term, right? Like it's, like you mentioned, that the, the, the cost over tebow joints on both sides, right? It is. So it could be. We don't have an answer of it's left-sided, right-sided, if it's bilateral, both sides. Mm -hmm. I mean, who's to say it's not his throwing arm? It could be a throwing mechanic thing, or is it rotational from the batting swing? Or right. you know, I think when I personally see these, you know, in, in an active, more active population on the day-to-day, it's not a long-term thing. It's just like a short, like something. And I think it's been a argument of like hypomobility or hypermobility, of not moving well, or yeah. like I think it's kind of like the, chiro the chiropractor kind of asked me, is it moving too much or is it not moving at all? Right. And that's where it's kind of changes like minute to minute. Right. You know, it's tough stuff. Yeah, and I feel like in, in the extensive research I did looking into this, which essentially is going to be like twenty-seven bar stools, right. you know, <laughs> argument type right, of thing, which right, is where right. most of the information is coming from. Yeah, I feel like it was one-sided, left or right. I forget which one it is. But you're right; does it go away? And, and that's where I think this this doom and gloom of uh, his this, whole this career, could be his whole career, go forever. It, that's where it's kind of analogous to low back pain. Right. You know? So if you have somebody that has these spasms and bad pain that flare up every month, two months, whatever, it's not going to go away, you know, like, like, but it might be dealing with it. It could be something yeah, that he's on, you know, he's never going to play more than, you know, hundred games uh, a year again. Right. Right. So he's not going to set a home run or RBI records, but if he keeps healthy and he's smart about it and maybe he knows what brings it on and what symptoms are kind of preluding what he's feeling, maybe he can manage it. And he says, look, look, you know, I went to bed tonight, you know, getting spasms there. I just want to shut it down and give me two days off. And then he avoids missing 10 days. Right. Or so, I'm not going to go on this road trip. It just, I just shouldn't do it. So maybe that's where he ends up. There are three things that I can potentially think of, or four things that I can potentially think of as, as possible treatment options here, right? One, anti-inflammatory medication. NSAIDs or steroids, I would count those as potential two, right? Cortisone shots, physical therapy. Can you think of any other options to potentially help them pass this or to treat this or whatnot? No, I mean, those are all- Chiropractic treatment maybe if you're gonna- Chiropractor yeah. manipulations to, to theoretically realign these sublux joints that are, if they're just a millimeter off, they could be off. The injections you talked about, that that's where maybe there's the most question mark volatility to it because it's sure. not just a cortisone shot or, or, or numbing medicine there are what's called ablations where you could basically kind of cauterize the little nerves because there's no joint in the body that doesn't have a nerve involved and right. that's how your brain feels it I mean, right. you could have terrible knee pain but if you yeah. numb up all the nerves going into the knee you don't yeah. feel it anymore Genicular so. blocks moderately well though yeah, yeah like exactly set, like, I don't exactly. know how well it works like, like, but, but you're right. right I see what you're saying so that, that's a theory that you could now right. and I, I did before this I did reach out to several of my interventional pain management partners about this and uh, of the six that I reached out to four said no clue never seen it never done it would never do it two said in fellowship and training I assisted one of my attendings in one one of them said the patient did awful, never helped. The other one said they think it helped for a couple of weeks. And right. that's doing these cost over T-roll injections. And these right. are 
busy doctors at big facilities here sure. in, in Philadelphia and everything. So it's a super uncommon thing. Right. So Are facet joint injections or facet joint blocks a thing anymore or no? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, down in the lumbar spine. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. It's easy, I'm it's saying easy lower to down. get to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, in yeah. the lumbar spine, they, they probably, any anybody that does a lot of injections probably does 10 or 15 a day. So, so you would think that with, you know, granted it's a little bit different, but they're, some it's just a lot different value. anatomy. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a lot different, anatomy. a lot trickier right. when you have those neurovascular structures there. You sure. have lungs right ahead. You, right. you have to just be a lot more cautious with it. And there's just not a lot of like a recurring theme here. There's not a, a lot of background. On it. Right. I mean, it's not. You want to do things, and it's maybe insurance companies come into play too. So if you yeah. if you have these tried <laughs> not true for procedures travel, for the rest of us, <laughs> yeah, right? My track get away from yeah, right for the rest of us, right? Yeah. So insurance company price say, well, what do you think you're doing? This isn't. This is on the list of things we authorize you doing, and it's going to get denied. How does this differ than, than you alluded to it, costochondritis? Costochondritis is, is more of a, of a front chest problem where your ribs come up and they join your sternum up in yeah. the front. So a lot of times when, when people have pain in their chest, and the first thing you think about, of course, is a heart attack, right? right. Pain up in the chest and then yeah. reflux, where the ribs, the bony part, and we get back into those medical terms, costo, meaning rib, then con, C-O-N-D, C-O-N-D, con stuff, that that usually refers to like cartilage and the yeah, soft right. tissue structures, so where the bone and the cartilage and the bone all mixed together, you know, yeah. that, that can cause more and more chest pain up front. Yeah. I got a curveball for you, a little mm -hmm. bit. The constant drapes was a curveball. Yeah, no, yeah, but it was, that was a, more of a lobby yeah. curveball. Yes. <laughs> Any thought of ankylosing spondylitis entering your mind on this particular scenario? Or was that way too obscure and going way down, Big too, too far down the road? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, that, that was, it's, it depends who the curve's coming from. Like, right. you might have thought that was a curveball. <laughs> <laughs> Not this guy. No, I mean, ankylosing spondylitis, that, that, there are a lot of very classic symptoms that come from that. Those are usually the lower back and the yeah. pelvis and the hip problems. Right. They're extremely classic on x-rays and CAT scans and MRIs. So I'd say the chances of that are real close to zero. Good. Um, just based on usually how that presents. I can't say it's zero because I haven't seen any of his imaging, but I, but I don't think so. But, but ankylosis spinalis is something that some, some people have heard about. There was a run a few years ago, heard ads on the radio over and over and over. Right. You know, the, Ankylosing spondylitis foundation, yeah. call us if you're experiencing any of these symptoms. Yeah. That's all. So I, I don't think it's that. It's it's just going to be really interesting to see how it goes and, you know, and what, what he has done going forward. I, I have to think he's probably had somebody inject that joint either from a treatment perspective or a diagnostic perspective. I would imagine, right? You yeah. would think, right? Like, it's Mike Trout. I'm sure. Yeah. Big, big name in baseball. You got, yeah. gotta, he seems optimistic. I, I saw a couple of interviews with him on, on like Angels baseball or whatever. Yeah. He... And he's kind of saying what you guys allude to. He said, look, it's a day-to-day -day thing. It's not the end of me. I'm happy. I'm fine. I'm going to get better. Yeah. He went out and saw this guy, Robert Watkins. So if you saw that on the movie, mm -hmm. he's, he's kind of like the the spine doctor for the athletes. Like, uh, what you call him down in Mississippi is the... Andrews. Andrews is the... Birmingham. Yeah, like the knee and injury kind of guy. Robert Watkins is this spine surgeon out in California in Los Angeles. His father was a busy spine surgeon for athletes back yeah. in like the seventies. And he went and saw him and said, Hey, Dr. Watkins kind of confirmed what's going on. And he says, I'll be okay. So I feel better now. All so right. hopefully, but Watkins, I guarantee you when they said, look, Hey, uh, 
Trout's going to come out here and see you with a preliminary diagnosis of costovertebral dysfunction. Do the I'm Google. Sure, yeah, right. I'm sure he got a book out and said, what the hell is yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sounds good. But, um, I concur. <laughs> I concur. What's your, uh, your prediction? Is this something that nags him and is a problem for his, for his career? Um, is his career over? Like, as I felt like was implicated a little bit at the beginning here. Or is this something that, yeah, yeah he just deals with it. Like you're saying, like, back pain is an issue here and there, but he, he still has a good productive career. I bet it's the type of thing my gut tells me it's something that if without this, if he would have had another 10, 12 years of Hall of Fame level production, he's not going to have that. You know, again, he's going to play 80 to 100 games a year, maybe 120. And, yeah. And just not as productive. I think he's and, going in the Hall of Fame, by the way. But I think he's he, close to already close, getting close, there. Right, right. Fair enough. Fair just enough. a good management plan with him, right? right. Like manage it and kind of. Right, right. And the big question, I don't know what his contract is you know, from the business side of it. I mean, when does his contract come up again? Is he is he going to command the astronomical numbers that he previously before? did? Right, if he right. says, look, I'm coming out here, I'm basically maybe even comes like a pinch hitter type of guy. And I, right. you know, Prolong so we'll his see. career that way. Yeah. So I, I think he could play another eight, ten years at like three quarter intensity, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, what's, no. So, all right. And then, you know, we had you coming on. We were all excited about it. And then another topic pops up and yeah, you send me a text. Hey, man, you know, we both wrestled. We're familiar with this crowd. Mm -hmm. We should talk a little bit about uh, about this uh, ringworm and PED situation. It's funny you mentioned we both wrestle. We should be talking about like muscles and grappling and hurting people <laughs> and breaking bones and stuff. But yeah. it's skin infections. <laughs> the, the, right. the dark side. The dark, the dark side, side of wrestling. Yeah, skin yeah, infections guys, and, right? you know, uh, to go with that is, you know, Another big young person in, in baseball, Fernando Tatis, he's a, a popular name on this podcast. We've talked about him a lot. Unfortunately, the guy was so injury, darn good, man. So good, but now we know what. No, no, I'm joking. And now, now it's like that, but it's also he, he can't stay healthy, right? He, unfortunately, you know. Just, another another good attribute to be on the podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's, it's a good bad thing, right? You're right, a great right, athlete right. if you're never mentioned on so, this podcast. That's right. Yeah, right. so it just came out. Of, uh, a few days ago, last you know, last Friday, that he got a big, big time suspension, about 80 games, testing positive cholesterol or clostebol, however you pronounce it. I don't know it. how you yeah, say it. Yeah, tomato, not, tomato, right? Yeah, clostebol is what I say. Usually, those anabolics or bowls end up with yeah. bowls. So yeah, yeah. Clostebol, C L O S T E B O L. Right. Yeah. I had a, I had a, a cake ball earlier today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and you recovered, my friend. Made you stronger. Right on that. Made you happier. Right? <laughs> Two or three in fact. Yeah. So yeah. So the, I to give a little backstory. Um, he tested positive for this substance. Again, he kind of came out front, took it, took it on the chest, and just said he, he messed up, made a, made a mistake. And then his father came out as well and kind of gave a little backstory on what happened. Different. Whole different story in that. Um, you mean his PR? Yeah. Marketing. <laughs> right. He got a fungal infection from an alleged haircut, and with that, he used his medication, and then it had this substance in it that was a. It's on the banned substance list and uh, anabolic steroid, and here he is it's now. It's a derivative of testosterone. It's right. Def definitely a banned substance, definitely an anabolic steroid. What do you think about that? Is, that, is, this, is this possible? Yeah, it, it's it's wild. And, you know, again, one of those things in, in, that, that we preemptively come out and say, look, we don't obviously don't know all the, right. all the facts and everything, but it's just we can certainly speculate from our experience that, that we go through that with – is that steroid. Like Maybe you're a steroid choice? guy. You you're more you, true. I yeah, think yeah. You're a steroid guy <laughs> with your golf swing, but 
Right. <laughs> but what we talk about with the skin infections. And, and hey, man, I contributed on that last round. <laughs> you did. I was a factor. You did. You found a couple of balls. Oh, that's right. <laughs> which allowed us to keep playing. That's right. We had you in the woods. The that's time. right. No, it, it's, it's, it's just super interesting. It's almost like you could do like a 30 for 30 one or something. Or a, or a or reality podcast. TV or something. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah, we talked about, too. We're like, I don't know if we can get into it too much. But, but when you do a little background research on it and now remember you know tatis's uh, country's background is dominican republic yeah which you know it, it's not it's not the moon but it's also not the united states so we're not used to the same types of medications and their names and the concoctions and the and rules these creams and what, sprays what you have and, access to right right and the fda i mean there's there's things down there we thought didn't exist in the world and right. everybody uses it every day so right so that that's where you got to remember being in his situation this is a guy that has access to everything in the world both countries and friends and family and everything that come out of the woodwork right who was talking to him were these friends or buddies or coaches or trainers or medical doctors or family obviously his family's involved so yeah so where did he get hooked up with this with this quote-unquote stuff apparently from all the reports it's a spray called uh trophoball t-r-o-f-o-b-o-l right so and you can first you can, line treat no, no yeah for a ringworm means right. that for fungal infection so you can google the heck out of this stuff and hardly find anything but then they just it, sold a lot more of it by the it way it just got I'm popular sure. yeah, right yeah, yeah. i'm sure a lot of places but when you really figure out what's in it the ingredients are actually two ingredients because there there are there are medicines like this you can even find on amazon now, they're not called that name but there, right. there are other names it's probably something like derm something that's more sellable but the, the medicines in it are neomycin, which antibiotic. is an antibiotic, yeah. which is important. We'll talk about antibiotic and, and clostable, what we said, which is, is a steroid, anabolic steroid. anabolic steroid. And it's the key. That's why you corrected yourself, right? Because you said steroid. Right. You're, You're right. like, whoa, steroid. Because there's different types of steroids, right? <laughs> we see steroids all the time. We were just talking about steroids two months ago, or yeah. two minutes ago, talking about right. Mike Trout. Oh, they injected steroids in his back to make him bigger and stronger. Different no, steroids. Different steroids. So exactly. When we think about steroids with the skin, what we should talk about is hydrocortisone. Yeah. Right. So if anybody's, any of us have ever known somebody with psoriasis or eczema or inflammatory conditions of the skin, hydrocortisone is kind of like a mainstay. A corticosteroid. A corticosteroid. Exactly. Right. It, it, it turns out the inflammation, just like if you have inflammation in your joints, and you eat Motrin, ibuprofen, Aleve to help with that inflammation. If you have it on your skin, you put on hydrocortisone. Right. Right. So totally different than Clostable. Yeah. Clostable is testosterone. It's yeah. what makes your muscles bigger. It's yeah. what makes you aggressive. It's, if, you, if you go in and Google the steroid kind of tree, one branch of the tree is going far to the left, and those are the hydrocortisones. One goes far to the right, those are the anabolic steroids. Like right. totally different steroids. Maybe we shouldn't even get rid of that, that term steroids. Seriously. But you can find this medicine with neomycin and clostable. Now, the neomycin part of it, so you say, well, it's an antibiotic. That seems like it's reasonable. What, what is ringworm they say about? What well, ringworm is caused by what? Fungus. fungus a right. fungus. So do antibiotics, which typically neomycin is one, but more commonly we, we hear penicillin and... Z packs and things like that. Do they kill funguses? No, they do not. No, they don't. They, kill they don't. They, they kill bacteria. They kill bacteria only. They don't do anything mm -hmm. to funguses. They don't do anything to viruses. They don't do anything to molds. Anything like that. Just bacteria. And it's like the fight that you have with your mom all the time. You have oh, a viral right. infection, mm -hmm. and you say, "I need an antibiotic." And you're yeah. like, "Well, it's a I virus. just came in. I just need it." <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> well, the pediatrician should be able to talk about right, that. Right. But, but so, so this is a medicine designed to stop inflammatory conditions on the skin and to kill bacteria yeah none of which this is 
nine miles away from what Tatis has on his neck, mm-hmm. this alleged ringworm from a haircut. Mm-hmm. So it's either, so, so there are a couple different options. Either he was trying to be sneaky and said, well, you know, I know about this. People have told me there's this antibox steroid that you can absorb through your skin yeah. and who doesn't want some steroids and i can say well i'm just throwing this crap on my neck because i got this fungal infection right i didn't do anything wrong nobody's going to know perfect cover and perfect. i'm not playing right now anyway exactly right. right perfect cover let me do it that way and that's kind of the malignant side of it or More. somebody one of his buddies and, yeah. and you know you know he probably has friends or family or somebody then in dominican republic every time you get it's like rub, what, what do you do you rub honey um, on honey on it or let the dog lick it or whatever and they said look i've got this skin cream that fixes everything every time something's wrong with my skin i throw this one and yeah. they send it to him in the mail or he already has it in a drawer or something says all right i'm gonna got this weird thing on my neck yeah, how could that possibly hurt me i'm just gonna right. rub this stuff on it's my just neck stuff right. on my skin you know yeah. how could that happen but it can get absorbed and if he did that and he was totally just like look i'm right i'm not playing this thing's ugly looking he's probably concerned you know it's just nasty looking somebody yeah. told him it's a fungus right. ringworm yeah. is kind of this nasty stuff let me do everything I can. I've heard this is the great solution for it. And he rubs it on. He's innocent. He happens to get tested when this stuff is in a system. And Tough luck. And you know, the next question would be what, what I thought of too. I mean, if you just put a little bit of spray on, a little bit of cream, could that really test positive? Right. But it, it, apparently it can. You know, we, we did some research where these tests are so sensitive that you can have like a milli milli microgram like you were talking about right. before that, that comes out in your urine. Grain and of salt. Yeah, yeah. Take a grain of salt, cut it up. I think it was just like a trillion times or something ridiculous. And you cut that little piece up 10 more times and like, yeah, no, we can pick that up. It could test sponsor. That's how sensitive these tests are. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. So yeah. Um, just walk by somebody who put it on your skin and you might be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Or if they yeah. use it across it, yeah, yeah. the wind blows across like they'll get poison <laughs> ivy like that, right? Another, another speculation that came out is there is a skin, a hydrocortisone type of steroid called Clobetazole, C-L-O-B-E-T-A-S-O-L. Sounds very similar. Sounds very similar. So, right, so with somebody Googling, say, or the family or somebody saying, well, wait, we need to cover this up somehow. Uh, Let's look it up. Oh, the PR guy. This stuff is very normal. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of skin people use this. That's what he used. And then they just screwed screwed up the word. Right. So so those are some of the theories floating around out there. So I don't know. I got to tell you, you know, so, you know, you sent me that text and I was like, I'm not, I wasn't actually too familiar with the situation. I heard it was a little bit of a silly excuse that he had given, you know, just kind of heard it peripherally. And then, and then you said you, you told me like what the, the kind of genesis of the, the quote unquote excuse or the reasoning was, and the first thing I said was like laughable, like like are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, anabolic steroid uh, to be utilized to, to treat a uh, a fungus a ringworm like nonsense. Right. Are you kidding me? Right. No, no one then, with any type of medical right. training would ever say that this truffle ball concoction yeah. in my It's the first choice, would, right? You're going to use Lotrimin. No, it's or, not the Lotrimin. It's, right. the, it's not even, it's, it, would, it would theoretically make things worse. Right. Like right. it couldn't do anything but could make the ringworm make worse. worse right. Right. So no no medical person would ever say use right. this. But then you sent the text, well, that medicine does exist. And I looked and I was like, that's right. That does. medicine does exist. And is as unplausible as, as I initially thought you start thinking like like I remember being I forget I think it was in Italy um, or um, and one time actually I was in Iceland you know, traveling and whatnot and I needed medication well that what I would also consider to be 
prescription medication and being like, I don't know, let's see. So you can just get it at a pharmacy and walking up and just getting it at a pharmacy. Yep. And, and it's right. different rules, different regulations. Sure. You know, is it that far fetched? You know, I'm, I'm not making excuses for the guy, but I'm also not laughing at the excuses. I can, I could foresee a scenario in which theoretically it did happen. Now, the bottom line is it was in his system. He put it there. Unfortunately, it's his responsibility, so he faces the, the suspension. But at the same token, I, at first when I thought laughable, I kind of backtracked in my mind, like you know what, maybe not as laughable as I as I had initially thought. I, I thought what seemed a little incriminating was it seemed like he had zero fight back. Yeah, but, ah, but you got maybe. Me. Right. He, he came right out and said, dang it, you know, I screwed up. Sorry, I'll take my 80 games. But it, And it's not like it's eight games or 10 games. I mean, right. 80 games, that's the whole rest of the, rest season, of the season and the playoffs right. until getting next, next year. Right. And that's a, that's a big chunk of time. That's yeah. a lot of money. Unless, you know, we, unless he looked at it, unless something's going on with other injuries or something, he was going to be out no matter what. You know, yeah. so it doesn't matter. But he's losing all that money, too. And, feel- and according to his father, hundreds of millions of fans. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I just text. He right. said, and so baseball's baseball's over. It's like going down the tubes right, because right. of what you did. Might, might be a strip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of joke, you know, in, in, in the world of medicine, I, I don't know if the rest of the world, like different specialties will sort of make fun of each other and whatnot. And my, my father in law is a, a surgical oncologist and like a, you know, a brilliant guy. And, you know, he'll joke around about orthopedic surgeons and like, like, yeah, you got your coloring book out today. And mm-hmm. you know, just the whole caveman sort of sure. approach to it. Very, and very accurate. Very accurate. Very accurate. He's right. spot on. <laughs> spot on. <laughs> Next and uh, the, one of the jokes we used to say about the dermatologist was that if it's wet, dry it. If it's dry, wet it. And if that doesn't work, give him steroids. Mm. And granted, it's the wrong steroid, but, but yeah, you know, right. maybe you sure. haven't heard of that. Sure. That's <laughs> a, no, a, a great story. That's exactly right. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that see what happens, right? I mean, right. I, I don't know if it's hoping to be appealed. I, or, yeah, I was going to say, I, I haven't heard that he was going to appeal. Or I, I saw no. a brief article that he thought about doing it, but I think he just came out and apologized and just kind of wrote that off. And I mean, right. Who knows? I mean, also something that's like like we said, it's not something that's commonly, it's not sold in America, this this medication. Who's to say that he didn't go home for a little bit? To, and and same thing, like we talked about, who, who's to say? A friend, oh, somebody, friend, cousin, right. grandmother, whoever. Teenage, who knows? What? Yeah. Like, like, hey, man, this yeah. stuff really works. That thing looks horrible. Here, use this. You know, who's like, to say that guy had a, a bacterial thing and right. it worked really well because it had an antibiotic. Like he doesn't said, know the difference. It's like, sure. uh, not saying, I mean, I'm sure some baseball players know, may know the difference, but yeah. to say they do. I or, doubt you know. it. I right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's lousy timing because he was set to come back soon. Right? Yeah. yeah. I forget yeah. what the Padres, where they stand, where they are in the standings. Or they, no, they're near the top of, and they yeah. just invested, right? Like they're just brought uh, on invested. Juan Soto. Like, like they just like, yep, 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 really, yep. really right. invested in this crew win now. And yeah. right. I think that's the most frustrating part of this whole situation for the Padres. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're ready to go. And all of a sudden, deplete all your prospects, give everybody up for, their their salary cap is historical highs. Right. Right. It's tough. But you have one, probably one of the best, I would say, three players in baseball right now with, you know, I would say Trout, Acuna, and um, and Tatis, like, like probably the three best players, in, and and maybe I'm wrong about you this. And it's arguable, top but 10 and they got Juan Soto too. You have, know. Yeah, like you what know. a phenomenal, and I, you lose your main guy, like the the, the glue. The, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, frustrating. That's a, that's a big yeah. hit. 
Big hit. Yeah. So before we go ahead and close out our tab for the night, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics with our eight locations and focus on you approach for all your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance center and destination located here in Pittman, New Jersey, and the Neck of the Woods Brewing Company serving the coldest beer in Pittman, New Jersey to us all evening. And lastly, Timber Real Productions for helping us on all our editing and producing this great podcast. So again, thank you everybody and have a good night and we'll see you next time. 